You can open your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 2, and then we will be reading out of Matthew. Because this day being uh, designated for the celebration of separation, I prepared a sermon that is, uh, will kind of explain why we did what we did, and many others are doing the same. Mentioned Leviticus recently about the laws and all of the different uh, sacrifices that needed to be made when we talked about um, the, uh, the burnt offering and the meal offering and the peace offering last week about the handwriting of ordinances. So with that being fresh in our minds, Leviticus chapter 2, because I, I don't know if you remember, but I said if you want to go through all of those laws, because I read a list of them, read a list of all the things that the priest would have to do, and I said, you know, just for fun, if y'all want to go back and read Leviticus 1 through 7, I think I said, you can do that on your own time and just have a ball with that, right? I don't know how many did that. I didn't. But there's uh, some verses in Leviticus chapter 2. You can follow along. And this is talking about the meat offering. Now, what I want you to see is the offerings that are in the book of Leviticus, the, those offerings point to Jesus Christ. Now, the burnt offering, think about that as being the fullness of Christ's devotion, the fullness of it. That's all in. Jesus was all in. He gave it all for each and every one of us. The meal offering, I want you to think about the flawlessness of Christ's devotion. The peace offering, the fruitfulness of Christ's devotion. Starting with verse 11 in Leviticus chapter 2, No meat offering which ye shall bring unto the Lord shall be made with leaven. For ye shall burn no leaven, nor any honey in any offering of the Lord made by fire. As for the oblation of the first fruits, ye shall offer them unto the Lord, but they shall not be burnt on the altar for a sweet savor. And every oblation of thy meat offering shalt thou season with salt, neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from thy meat offering with all thine offerings thou shalt offer salt. Now is that clear? says it three times that you are to offer with the offering being seasoned with salt, 
And it says, do not forget that. Salt, salt, salt. Notice that it said, no leaven for this meal offering or this, this uh, meat offering. When the Bible says meat, it talks about food. It's not necessarily just meat, but a meal offering. And that offering, if you remember, it's fine flour anointed or mingled with oil. It's to have no leaven. And what is leaven? Think about what leaven is. Now, if you would like, you can turn to Matthew or make a note of it. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So we are to be salt and light. What are we to be salt of? What, is it, what, did, what did it say? The earth. What are we to be the light of? The world. Isn't that the same thing? No. They're spelled differently. What about salt? And what about light? How are they different? Salt is something that you can grab a hold of. What about light? How about, I start, thought about bringing a container with a lid and just walk around like this and just go through the air and capture some light in it real quick and then put the cap on it. And then we can go into a dark room and I can open the lid and let the light out. Would it work? Well, why not? I, could, I can get a hold of some salt. What's that? You can't? Why not? I know, I know what light does, but I do not know what light is. I can't figure it out. Light is a miracle. I can, maybe I just grab a hold of this light right here burning on this candle. I'll grab a hold of it and bring it to you. Would that work? No, it won't work. What causes a light to shine in a bulb? Electricity. Maybe I can grab a hold of some electricity and bring it to you. Would that work out very well? Not very well. Salt is something that I can get a hold of. I can, so, earth, think about salt being something that you can grab a hold of and the earth being the creation, it's all of the things that you can see, the dirt, the plants, and 
We get salt out of the earth. It's mineral. Think about the salt that's in the ocean. I've, I've heard people say that all of that salt in the ocean actually purifies the air, and that if we didn't have the salt in the oceans, that it would be just a major stench. I, I don't know how true that is, but I've heard people talk about that, how important salt is. We have to have salt in our diets or we will die. We are to be salt of the earth, but we are to be the light of the world. How can we be light? I don't even know what it is. I can't capture it. How can we? We, we have... Serious issues here on this earth and in our world. Now, the world is different than the earth. How is the world different? Think about how the world is different than the earth. The world is all those things that God created. It's including people. Think about the people and the light that we need, we have decay and we have darkness. That's our two big problems. Decay and darkness. Where does all that stuff come from? Decay and darkness. In Matthew 16, Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And then in Mark chapter 8, verse 15, Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and also the leaven of Herod. Think about what, all, what those three things represent. Pharisees, Sadducees, and the Herodians. The Pharisees were very legalistic. They were all about... Dead fundamentalism and religious hypocrisy. That's the Pharisees. Dead fundamentalism. We don't want to be a church that, is, that does the same thing over and over again and become extremely boring and fall into that dead fundamentalism. We do not want to be uh, religious hypocrites. We want to be what we say we are. You're not going to be very effective salt in this earth if you don't get that. And you are not going to be a light that shines very bright. What about the Sadducees? I wrote down intellectualism. I wrote down liberalism. Do you know much about the Sadducees? Well, they were sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They were too intellectual for those spiritual things. They probably sat around, maybe would try to figure out how to catch some light, but would never actually understand what light really is, what light can do and where it comes from. The Pharisees, we are told to beware of the leaven. The Sadducees, the same thing, and the Herodians. So the Herodians, the, the, the leaven of Herod, what would that represent? 
They were the people who were in power. So think about your political leaders and the leaven, the corruption that they can put into the society. That's what they represent. But, so I wrote down next to Herod, the leaven of Herod, I wrote down worldly compromise. Think of all the things that a person who wants power will compromise to get the power. We have to be very cautious of who we put into office. We have election day coming up on Tuesday. We have a bunch of people who want power. Watch out for those who want power. The ones that you can trust are the ones who don't want the power and you have to go out and find them and drag them out of whatever they're doing and say, we need you to represent us in our government. That's the only politician you could trust. Is the one who does not want to be a politician, but have had many people tell them you need to be. And out of an act of service, they come forward and they are willing to serve the people. Colossians verse 4, I mean chapter 4 verse 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. We're told in Scripture, I just read it to you, that, that ye, that's when, when I say ye, when the Bible says ye, that's you, you, every single person that's sitting in here individually. So I'm talking to all of you at the same time when you hear ye. The Bible says ye are the salt of this earth. Then it says ye are the light of this world. If the Bible says that about you, then you need to believe it. Jesus said in John 9, 5, He said, I am the light of the world. Well, if He's the light of the world, but then He tells us that we, each and every one of us, is the light of the world. How is that possible? But it, it, it makes us understand that we are to be like Him. Capital H, Him. We're supposed to be like Him. Leaven will come in and corrupt. Leaven will come in. Leaven is, is yeast. When the Bible says leaven, to offer this without leaven, that means no yeast gets into the bread. Now, listen, listen carefully. Yeast is silent. You put it into the bread. Can you hear it doing anything? Can you see it when it's in the bread? Now, you will eventually see the effects of it, right? Before you know it, uh, things start to swell. But the most important thing you need to understand about it is that it thrives in lukewarm conditions. Think about that. So if we are a lukewarm church, which in Revelation chapter 3 warns us, warns us 
to neither be cold nor hot. But because you are a lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I want to spew you out of my mouth. That's what Jesus thinks about a lukewarm church. And Jesus knows that a lukewarm church that is neither cold nor hot is the perfect place for this leaven to permeate and to grow and to corrupt. Salt is a preservative. Salt can't, it, it might not be able to eliminate or reverse corruption, but it stops it. Salt is a preservative. And we're supposed to be that. What, what else does salt do? So salt prevents corruption from spreading. What else does salt do? Think about when, I, when I'm uh, working outside in the summertime, I'm working and I'm, sweat is coming down my forehead and the sweat gets into my eyes. Burns like crazy. What about salt in a wound? Stings, something terrible, right? Now, I am to preach with salt, and it might agitate. I'm supposed to be salt in this earth, and, and the preaching, and what you do when you go out into the world, you need to have some salt. I read it to you. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. So don't forget about the grace part. Got to remember grace. I have to remind myself, grace, grace. Was it Wednesday when I said, God is the God, God of government? And then the people sitting out here said, oh, no, he's also the God of grace. I'm like, okay, okay. And then I said, God is the God of law. And then people out here is like, oh, he's also the God of love. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. So grace, don't forget the grace, but make sure it's seasoned with salt. Now that salt might agitate people. If they got some wounds and it gets in the wound, if they're looking at things they're not supposed to look at, and it gets a little salt in their eyes, it's going to burn like crazy. They're not going to like it, but they need it. Salt brings out the flavor of food. I'm supposed to preach with some salt to bring out the Word, to make it more exciting, to make you... Uh, I want to preach a message where you will get excited about the Word. You, you might go, what? No way, that's not in the Bible. And you want to go look for it for yourself. I want you to... Uh, Lois comes into Sunday school class this morning. You can't see it now. She's put a jacket on, but she's got a shirt. There it is. It says, Iron sharpens iron. That's what it says. Iron sharpens iron. And Joy, Joy said, that's out of the Bible. And Lois is like, really? Cool. Where's that at in the Bible? And me being a Sunday school teacher, I was ready, but I already saw her shirt when she first walked in. I was already ready. I was just waiting for somebody to say something, and Joy did it. And I'm like, Proverbs 27:17. Iron, that's right out of the Bible. We, we are to 
preach things like that, bring those things out with salt, it might agitate, but it also brings out the flavor. We, the Word of God, we're supposed to eat it. And I want you to, I want to work up your appetite, and I want you to want to devour the Word of God. Salt helps with that. Now, what we have to remember is salt preserves, salt might agitate for good reason, it might bring out flavor, but when we read out of Matthew chapter 5 that says, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savor, something else can happen to salt. It can dissipate. If we, being the salt of the earth, if we come in here every Sunday morning and we only talk about God and pray to God only when we're here, it's you're salting salt. That's all you're doing is salting salt. We're, to po we're supposed to go out into that world that you see out here that is full of decay and darkness, and we're to salt out there where the decay is. We are, we got to keep the leaven out of this church. We've got to keep leaven out of everything that we present to the Lord. We have to understand that Jesus Christ is that fine flower with the Holy Spirit with no corruption at all. None. That's Jesus. No corruption. We are corrupted, but because of what He did for us, then we can be like Him. How can we be light in this world when we're so messed up? How can we be? Because Jesus said, we are. He says it right here. Your salt and your light. And how light can be inside of me just blows my mind. But because of what Jesus did, it can be true. And what does it say? What happens? If, if we don't understand all those things and the salt that we are supposed to be, if it starts to fade away and, and not be what it's supposed to be, then it becomes no good. And the only thing that it would be good for is to be thrown out, to be trodden underfoot. So, what is that talking about? So, the salt that they used back in those days, if you lived back then, this would make way more sense than if you just read it out of the Bible. You read it out of the Bible, it's like, what? The salt was different, and they used it for all those things that I mentioned, for a preservative, to bring out the flavor in food, but when it lost, when the salt lost its saltiness, it would become of no use, and it would actually poison things, and you had to be careful what you did with it. So when it got to that point, they would throw it out on the paths that they walked on, and it would be like, uh, like a weed killer. 
and it would keep stuff from growing in those areas. So salt that's, that has lost its savor can be very dangerous. So we want to make sure we guard against that. And uh, leak keeping leaven out is definitely one way that you do it. Now a lot of things happen leading up to the separation from the United Methodist Church. It started a while back. It's been a, it's been a lot of time has passed since it all first started. And the, the one main event that happened was, was the, if I remember right, was the 2016 vote at, I guess you call it General Conference. It's the one they do every so many years. And that, that vote was something that really got things going. After that vote happened, and that was the vote that would change the Book of Discipline to where it would take out any reference to uh, thou shalt not, you know, uh, no homosexual union as far as marriages would, would be performed, no, no marriage ceremonies for, for that, uh, no uh, gay clergy, that type of thing. They, the, most of the people in the United States wanted that to be changed in the Book of Discipline, and it did not happen. It, the vote did not go the way most wanted it to go. It's very sad that most people wanted it to be voted on to where it can be changed, but the African delegation, who was nearly 100% voting no on that, leave the Book of Discipline the way it is, that stopped it, which caused a major ruckus in the United States because there's too many people in the United States that have lost their savor. The salt is gone. And it's poisonous when it gets to that point. Now, we here, most of us that were at this church, we saw the poison of it. We wanted to do something about it. But we, the pastor that was here back then when that first happened was on board with us, but that person left, and we got a new pastor in, and that person brought in um, some Bible studies. They were Bible studies, but not really Bible studies, and I just remember the very first thing that we were being taught was inclusion. It was wrote on, a, on an index card and handed to us, and we, the Bible study was about inclusion. And at that time, we had no idea all the woke things that were going on around us. We just didn't know about it. And we were being groomed by an actual pastor that had come here about those woke things. And we didn't know it at the time. And then, as time went on, we started realizing some of those books that were being introduced into these Bible studies. Wasn't a whole lot of Bible in the Bible studies, but there was a lot of books that were brought into the Bible study that were written by people who were all about the gay movement and all those things that were perfectly fine with it. <clears throat> so when we started picking up on those things, we started asking questions, and then one thing led to another, and that's when we were, we were told by our former district superintendent that there was another church that was fairly close to us 
that was already well on their way to being separated from the United Methodists. Right after, right after we, were, we were told that, because no, no church name was given to us, I happened to run into an old friend that I had not seen in years. name was Kenny. And he went to that church. That was his church. Which once I found that out, found out who it was, then we had uh, contacts with a church that had already started going through the process. And luckily, and we're so blessed to have certain people at this church that will put forth that effort to go and to, to find out how they did it and was, was working on all that and got into all of that. We were encouraged to do a 30-day prayer by our new district superintendent. And not only did we do a 30-day prayer, but it turned into several pages of Scripture reading and prayer that really opened up the eyes of our district superintendent, I think, to where they, that, that person knew how dedicated we were and what type of Bible-believing people we are. And I think that right there really started uh, what helped us to get moving in the right direction with our district superintendent being on board with us and actually saying, they're leaving for the right reason and I'm not going to stand in the way. But that was people amongst us who did that on their own being led by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> there were people who stepped up and became members of this church during that process. Y'all know who you are, but you wanted to become members and to be part of it. We had plenty of people out in the community around us that said, when you separate, when you get away from that terrible denomination, we'll be there. Are they here? No. But the people who wanted to help us go through the process, they came. They didn't wait. They wanted to be part of it. Then there was always trials and tribulations that go along with anything, especially if you're doing anything for God. And the trials and the tribulations came, and we had uh, doubts, wondering if we should even proceed, should we just give up? Where's all that money going to come from? And we had a person. You know, I try really hard not to say anything in council meetings. That's, I, I purposely, and I've, I've shared with my wife, when I go to council meetings, I do enough talking up here. And I do my best to try to just let other people see what, what, what the Spirit's doing with other people and let other people do things and talk and all that, bring up ideas. And then that night at that council meeting, with all that doubt, um, Joy decided that we needed to pray to our Heavenly Father because of what we were going through at the time. And she prayed. Wonderful prayer. And it was hardly any time at all. I got a phone call from Larry and Linda Mulvihill. 
that I had not seen in years. Here we go again. And they had been praying for country churches and country preachers. And guess what? We qualified because we was in Lafayette, Virginia. And we was a country church, and I was definitely a country preacher, and they just had this heart to help us. And they sent us a very large check. In my opinion, you know, for me it was large. I don't, I don't know if I should say numbers, but it was just a very significant check. And then later they sent us another check. And all of a sudden, we could see the light at the end of the tunnel. We could, we could say, all right, where's all the money going to come from? And that right there just showed us that God can do it at any time. None of this is too hard for Him. And then we had the willingness of a former pastor of mine, J. Robinette, to teach me, to mentor me, and to help me get to the point where I could become ordained, to get set up at the courthouse where I can do marriages and things like that. All that happened. We had a final vote that was 88.88888% the number of new beginnings. If it wasn't for the people who were against it, you can't get 88.8888%. Just the right amount of people had to show up and it had to be the perfect amount of people voting for and the perfect amount of people voting against to get that number. That number's significant. And then there was uh, Fred and Jan and Beth with a very large contribution that kept us going, gave us hope. There were so many people that gave toward that Many people, and all that added up, ended up being a lot of money going toward it. And then we had people who were willing to loan money to the church to finish it all off. Just good-hearted people that wanted to see it finished up and was willing to take a risk on this little church and loan money to finish it up. You see, you see all the things that happened over time that showed that God was in it. <clears throat> so we left an organization that showed a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the many people who was praying for us. Father, the people we didn't even know were praying for us. Father, I thank you for <clears throat> other churches that had gone through the process. Father, that we were able to contact and they were so willing to help us. Father, we ask you continue to bless them. And Father, give us opportunity to go to them, to thank, to thank them in person. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for people who were willing to give of their money. <clears throat> Father, people who we just know that money sent and prayer sent. <clears throat>
Father, we thank you for just the little signs that you gave us. The number eight, the number of new beginnings. The eighth day of the week is the first day of the new week. Father, the eighth day was the day to be dedicated, the day for the circumcision and to be dedicated to the Lord. Father, the eighth day. Father, help us to see that we have an opportunity here to build something that will be salt and light to a decaying and dark world. Father, our, our very community right outside of our doors is in decay and in darkness. Father, help us to be salt and light. Thank you, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.